When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi everyone, welcome to TFP, welcome to Nini, welcome to Flanders, welcome to Flav, welcome to Harry, welcome to Joe. Some big games coming up this weekend. We've got Chelsea Leeds, we've got Tottenham Arsenal, so we've got representation from everywhere. It's great to have you back, Joe. Great to obviously have you back, Nini. Great to have you back, Flav. Um, and then we'll also do West Ham United and then we'll do Liverpool Wolves and a little bit on Man City Fulham because I'm aware we've got a little bit of heat for not really covering Man City off the back of them beating Burnley shot, uh, beating Burnley. Shot corner five nil. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll start at the top with with Chelsea Leeds. I, I I just I got just got told off off air by Flav for rather flippantly saying that Leeds were fun, um, yeah. but I mean it in the best way possible. I'm loving watching Leeds, Joe, and I assume that it's it's very much the same for Leeds fans at the moment. Yeah, man, it's amazing. I did say I did say this um, before we, before <laughs> any ball you. was kicked. Yeah, I told you. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's it's amazing to watch, I guess, for the neutral as well. I think the, more, the majority of chances created in the Premier League this season, I think Leeds are in there five out of like 10 games or whatever, you know, they're up there uh, creating chances left, right and centre. Um, and it, it's been amazing. I mean, look, we were on the on the back of them uh, 2-4-1 drubbings um, before the international break, but we've come back, we've tightened things up at the back, two clean sheets on the bounce, should have beat Arsenal, Um Absolutely dominated Everton. I know we only scored one. How it how it was just one nils beyond me because there was chances for both teams. But um, yeah, man, we've we're doing all right, and I still think that that top half finish is is well within sights for me. So at the beginning of the season, Joe, you were also not hugely um, complimentary about Frank Lampard. Is it is he starting to turn your mind at all? Change your mind? Not for me personally, because I just disliked him, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> obviously, um, yeah, there's, there's too much water under the bridge for there to be um, for me to ever give him any sort of praise. But uh, look, he's done better than I thought he would. But if Chelsea really played anyone of any note, no. And when they have, they've stunk the place out for me personally. No, it's true, though, they have. It's been pretty shocking. Um, when they've come up against decent opposition, I still think he's tactically inept, inept, and I think we might see that on on the weekend. It'll be interesting to see how he sets up and if he does a job on KP, um, because we've seen when Everton sat off KP, KP dominated the game um, and ran the show. So it'll be interesting to see whether he adopts any tactics to to sort of look after KP. I'm, I'm interested to find out as well if Giroud plays. Because I think if Giroud plays on the back of scoring four, he actually might work in our favour because I think he'll do less pressing than what Tammy does. So it'll be interesting to see 
if he goes with him. But also on the flip side, we're terrible in the air. We're terrible from set pieces. So it's a bit of a double-edged sword. But I think I'd rather see Giroud, if I'm being totally honest, because it'll mean KP and the defenders will have time to come out from the back and, and dictate the play. Um, uh, do you know what, Nini, I would come to you here, but first I just want to chuck this one to Flav. How glad were you that Olivier Giroud was not playing the other day? Well, I think we said it, didn't we? We said, said that Giroud should play. And he's kind of found himself in a situation where um, that while he's more than capable of leading that line for Chelsea, it seems that he's kind of old hat. I think he's seen as unfashionable. Like, we know what Giroud has done in the past, and now it's the time of Tammy Abraham or, you know, whatever forward Chelsea want to play because they've got an abundance of forwards that can play in that middle section. But um, I I think he's he's underrated somehow. I feel like he still could have a really good career at a club that really wants him. And he may be at Chelsea earning a wedge. I'm sure he's earning really good money and and he deserves it because he's that good a player. But he's never going to start for Chelsea. And so I think in January, if, if I was him... I'd be looking for a move at another Premier League club where I was going to start every week. And if you did, even next season, I'm not sure how old he is now. Is he got to be 33, 34, something like that? Uh, 34. Yeah. Right. Even next season, I think that if he goes to a club like someone like Southampton, I'd take him at Spurs for sure as a debt backup if you remove all of the horrible decisions he's made with the clubs he's joined previously. <laughs> if it was just about the quality of player, then I'd definitely, definitely have him as a, as a, what well, would be a backup striker, but you'd get more games at Spurs, I think, than he has done at Chelsea. And um, yeah, so I, I think he should look, look for a move elsewhere. Southampton, someone like that. And he will give you 20 goals across all comps a season. So with that in mind, Nini, and with the fact that he's banged in four goals against Sevilla and not just not just any goals. They he got a perfect hat trick and then a pen as well. Surely you've got to be looking for him to start this weekend. Or like Joe said, is he not going to provide you enough against the the style of football he's play? I think Joe made a very valid point. I think that's been one of the main reasons why Tammy has played up front over uh, Giroud because Tammy has that mobility. Tammy can you know stretch the play, he can run in behind, he can you know, drift out wide to hold the play up, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, against a Leeds team where, you know, they do leave spaces between the lines. You know, if you're smart, if you pass the move and if you make it harder for them to mark us, I think with Giroud, it does kind of force teams to just like maybe occupy him. And then it comes down to, okay, if that happens to Giroud, who's going to play off him? And I think yesterday uh, against Sevilla, we saw that working perfectly. We saw the runs in behind from your Hudson, the Doys, six cover on the board, etc., etc. So, I do feel like as a team, as our, with our balance tactically right now, you know we're a lot stronger than we were last season. And as I as I keep saying all the time, I feel like people haven't really clocked onto how much you've improved, how strong the improvements have been. And I do think that maybe you know if Leeds fans feel a bit optimistic and excited for the game this weekend, you know I would maybe cater that down a little bit <laughs> because you know right now you know we're doing special things in my opinion. Uh, can I just okay. quickly jump in? Um, the the um, the way Leeds will play Chelsea will lead to an absolutely fantastic game of football. Yeah, yeah. The way to play Chelsea is the way we played them, which was make it as boring as possible. Yeah. Choke the life out of the game because, as Nini says, they they are very good, and it may be down to Lampard actually being a good manager. I think more likely it's down to the personnel at his disposal means that he can't get it wrong. You know, and when I say can't get it wrong, you're thinking top three finish at least in the Premier League. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I do think too, obviously, uh, yeah, just the way we, we planned our work this summer to sign the players we did, I mean, you know, to sign your Werner's, the ex-Kais, you need to have a, a clear plan from a long time before. Which a lot of money. Took a, and a lot of money too, which helped from having a transfer ban. So, you know, honestly, one of the greatest things that ever happened to us was that transfer ban, because if not for that, we will not be here right now. The, so, the famous transfer ban where you still signed two players in that summer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that little one there. But, um, you know, it's, it's proper Spurs when we don't have a transfer ban, anything like Chelsea, and don't sign two players, even though we could in that period. Yeah, yeah. Incredible. I guess that's just the levels, I guess, you know. But um, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> But honestly, I'm really excited for this game this weekend. I love how Leeds play. I love teams that are confident to play their game under Bielsa. That's the only thing he coaches. And, you know, I do want to mention in uh, Patrick Bamford just a tiny bit. I've always been a bit surprised why he's always been like a figure that's always been made fun of. Um, watching him, we can't forget that he won the Championship Player of the Year when he was like a team playing for Middlesbrough. And the reality is, you know, when he made that, ill-fated loan move to Crystal Palace, Crystal Palace only used target men. Bamford is not that. So, you know, so often I feel like players and their abilities, they can be like tarnished if they don't have the right system or tactics behind them. So right now, you're really seeing what Bamford's about. He's always been a lot better than people gave him credit for. And, you know, I feel like he's definitely someone we'll have to take seriously in the next game because, you know, he's on fire this season. I have to say, he's, he's winding me up. I don't know whether it's the same for you, Joe. Bamford is winding me up because really? I'm like, Why? you just see him do something just wonderful and elegant and technically masterful. Mm. And then you see him get a chance from seven, eight yards. I and was I gonna have, say, I was I gonna say this. Backed him, and I've backed him and backed him and backed him and backed him. And I've been like, no, he's coming good, he's coming good. And people are just sleeping on him. And I was, he does he does so much work for the team as well. So go on, Flanders. I was gonna say that a, a couple of my close mates are Leeds fans, and they were very, very critical of him last season. Um, so I wanted to know your your opinion on him, Joe. Like what what's the is it a bit of a surprise that he's succeeding at this level now? For me personally, I think for the majority of the fan base would have to say, yeah, they'd be lying if they didn't. Um, <laughs> look, that first season under under Bielsa, when we had Roof, uh, he played in the championship semi-final and had a shocker. And I was ready for binning him off. Said I never wanted to see him again. Um, genuinely, <laughs> no, genuinely. I love being a fan. I, I, I love this. I never want to see him again. Exactly. Like you um, might bump into him at a petrol station. Or something. <laughs> I told like you. That. I fucking told I'm you. Like, just, he, Joe's walking across a floor <laughs> yeah. like that. Exactly, exactly. But Matt, do you know what? There was a period of time as well. I remember in pre-season uh, we played York, and he was missing uh, shots in the warm-up, and he was getting jeered off his own fans you know that's how bad it was and then obviously when he scored he was giving it this to his own fans so that there has been a bit of a up and down relationship but look when he's coming in the Premier League he has surprised a lot but like's been said I think he's up there with shots on target with Calvert-Lewin but half of the goals so there is opportunities where you know he has missed but I think in the last two games as well Leno and Pickford have both had sterling performances they've both been really good in goal um I, he's got my backing. He's got Bielsa's backing, you know, so that's good enough for me. I think the, on the weekend as well, I think there's going to be, we're going to get so much joy down the wings um, just because I know James and Chilwell, etc., are going to push forward. And if we can nick the ball in the transition, you've got Rafinha, Harrison, 
Um, I think we, we can get at Chelsea and we will create chances. I, I think it could be another Liverpool-style uh, scoreline. I think it could be that high. Although I said that against Everton, it ended up being 1-0. But yeah, 3-2 leads, 3-0, something like that. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, I'm all in on that as well. Saturday, <laughs> Saturday night, 8 o'clock, sit yeah. me down, ready for a 3-0. That'd be lovely, yeah. particularly now we can get down to the pub as well. Um, right, let's move on to uh, Spurs-Arsenal. And uh, we'll do the debate, but I think we'll, we'll do it as just part of the general discussion because I think this is pretty much the discussion that we have every single year. So Virgin Media is sponsoring us right the way through until the end of the year, which is wicked. And it's great to have them on board. Um, and the question that they put to us this week is, are Spurs now the dominant force in North London? So Flav can go first, then Harry, and then we'll just have a bit of a free-for-all on this one. So Flav, after you. Um, I, I mean, they, they haven't finished above us since 2016 that's four years on the bounce and obviously that's sweet because Arsenal fans made a huge deal over this St Totteringham's Day which as a Spurs fan I fully respect because those Arsenal fans that go like 10 toes into that kind of celebrating that means that they get the rivalry right why wouldn't it be important to celebrate finishing above your rivals but it was a little bit dismissive always in our shadow, all that kind of stuff. And what most fans, Arsenal fans, have, 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 haven't experienced in, in their formative years following the football club if they're under the age of 30 is that football doesn't remain. Football is ever-shifting. It's nebulous. It's, it's um, every dog has his day. And whatever that means, it might mean trophies or it just might mean you usurp your rivals. And as we have done over the last four years, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch, you know, building a bigger stadium, flashier stadium, more revenue incoming, uh, the world-class training centre, um, and, and being able to attract a manager like Jose Mourinho, whether he's passed it, whether you believe he's passed it or not, he's won 22 trophies, and Arsenal have a manager who may well go on to do amazing things, but is a year into his education. Um, it, uh, there is no there is no discussion about whether or not there has been a, a power shift or whoever owns North London currently, Tottenham Hotspur do. Uh, and, and I can't think of an argument around it other than that, other than looking at heritage and looking at what's happened during the Premier League area where for large parts of it, we couldn't touch Arsenal. But yeah, by and large, you know, you look at our squad, look at the players, the fact that we pay less wage, less in wages than Arsenal do currently, just it just shows that there is not only a shift on the pitch, but there's a shift in the management off the pitch. And if Arsenal hadn't got rid of David Dean back in the day, then we probably wouldn't be having this conversation, in my opinion. Harry, I feel like I've sort of put you on a bit of an uphill one already here. <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, like I totally respect that at this moment in time, Tottenham are the stronger team. There's no doubt about that. I'm not going to sit here and try and make a case about that. It would be silly. But at the end of the day, I don't see how a power shift can occur when the other team that are trying to wrestle the power back haven't won a trophy. And, you know, it can be, sound like a really simplistic argument. Flav mentions that we haven't finished above you guys since 2016. We haven't. But what we have done since then is we've won two FA Cups and Tottenham have won zero. Um, you know, everybody talks about Jose Mourinho coming in at Spurs as if he's already won the Premier League. Let's have it right. Jose Mourinho has won nothing yet with Spurs. And, you know, we talk about the, the project at Arsenal and we talk about it maybe not moving as quickly as we'd hope, but Arsenal are building a long-term project. 
With Jose Mourinho, yes, he'll come in, he'll do a good job, but we all know about the short-termism of Jose Mourinho and we all know that when he leaves a club, he usually leaves him in turmoil. So I think that by the time actually Spurs get to the point where they feel um, where they feel as though they're going to sort of completely wrestle the power back, they'll be left in disarray and Arsenal will have continued their project and that power shift will never actually happen. Uh, the final point I want to make is the, um, the stuff about the stadium and things. I, I get so frustrated when I hear Tottenham fans talking about, oh, we've got a better stadium, we've got a flashier stadium, we've got a bigger stadium. It comes down to the simple fact that you're 10 years behind us or even 14 years behind us. And so you've built a new stadium. Of course, it's going to be better. If you buy a brand new car, it's going to be better than a car that was made 14 years ago. That's not something to throw at Arsenal. Like, you know, it's just, it just drives me mad. It's just, it's just the modern thing, isn't it? It's the new thing. But yeah, for me, look, jokes aside and, and rivalries aside, until Tottenham start winning things, I don't think you can say that the power shifted. Okay. I'll, I'll it's, more get... of a, it's, it's more of a like power struggle, isn't it? Not a power not Really? Sh- not, not, not anymore. It ain't. No, it was <laughs> maybe a couple of years ago when we are still fighting. It's not a struggle anymore finishing above Arsenal. I don't even think about it. I just assume it's going to happen. Harry's right though, isn't he? Like surely you complete that power shift when you go and deliver it. When you yeah. go and... Yeah, when yeah, you go and deliver and you match Arsenal in terms of silverware as well, because that's yeah, how yeah, I would look at it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd say if you walk away from this argument listening to both of us that Harry probably wins, because the fact is, it is about winning stuff, right? It is about getting over the line. It's about gloating. But my issue isn't really that the, the, the power shift hasn't truly happened. My issue is, what's wrong with you lot, Harry? What's wrong with you when you've You've had two FA Cup trophies. I would give my right arm for mm. one. And, and, and they're not... And I'm not aiming this at you, Harry, because you're much more level-headed than every other goon I've probably ever spoken to. So that, <laughs> I'll tell you that as a compliment. Cheers. No, it, no, <laughs> no, no, it, it is a, it's not a compliment. It's just, it's just who you are and how you, how you conduct yourself when talking about football. And it's, it, I respect it. Um, it. It's just that, you know, you watch things like Arsenal Fan TV... And they forget four months ago that what they've done, what you've done. And it's that, it's that thing that, 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 that means for me, that I, even if Arsenal finish above us in the next 10 years, we'll never be that ungrateful, or I won't. But do maybe you think that's, success will change that. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, do you think that's because of sort of the eras that we've grown up in? So, and, yeah. and I'm not I'm not saying this to poke fun at Spurs, but when I was growing up, first going to Arsenal and stuff, it was around the 97 season, 98, double winning season. And then 2002, we won the double again. 2004, we went invincible. Then we had a nine-year gap, but then we've won FA Cup after FA Cup after FA Cup. And maybe you, you start to take it for granted. And I think that the fan base around Arsenal often makes the club seem like it's in a bigger crisis than it actually is. Yeah. And it amplifies the shortcomings of the team, the shortcomings of the manager. Yeah. When, yes, we, we still, we're still in our heads thinking that we're one of the biggest two teams in the league and we're not that anymore. And I think the amplification of our failures actually makes it seem like the, the situation at Arsenal is worse than it is. Absolutely. I, I it's not true because, you know, 
as a as a obviously a non-Arsenal fan, it's difficult because I'm like, hang on a minute, you want to try being out of the top division for 16 years, go down to League One, lose all your money. Do you know what I mean? No, after a Champions League yeah. semi-final, at least do it properly. Do it properly. This is what I'm saying. That's falling apart. Fully You've got nothing. <laughs> You've got nothing to to mourn about when you have just won an FA Cup and the same manager you've got a gripe with, yeah, he might not be doing as, as great as you'd expect, but he has just won an FA Cup. You know, yes. that's huge. Like Flav said, I'd, I'd give anything to win a, a big trophy. Yes, we've won the championship, but, you know, a big trophy in my lifetime. The not, we're, last, we're, not, we're not saying anything that Harry doesn't know, to be fair. Yeah, no, no true, true. The last, The last thing I'll say on that, like, for all of that, obviously I'm not going to back down in an Arsenal-Tottenham debate, but for all of that, like, I do appreciate that Tottenham are, are looking really exciting at the moment. And they go into this game rightfully the favourites. The team is clicking at the moment. You know, I hate to say it because I'm not a Mourinho fan as well as not being a Tottenham fan, but he seems like he's got them on the right path. And it, it is a worrying time for Arsenal. It is. There's um something that Flav said earlier on. There's a guy called Simon Sinek. I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but he's got this. He created the theory start with why that everyone always talks about. But he also created something called the the infinite game, where he says like you've never won, you're just winning. And I feel like the North London derby is that in a nutshell. It's like no one you can't win the battle for North London. You can just be ahead or behind. Yeah, it's so going isn't it. Yeah, so that's why it kind of feels like maybe at the moment Spurs fans and Arsenal fans need to be a bit more present. They need to be a little bit more like when you win it, stick it in their face now because yeah. because in six months it might not be the same. Can I give you an example of that? Um, yeah, go on. A couple of years ago, Spurs were playing in uh, playing at the Emirates and you, uh, Arsenal went 1-0 up and Spurs turned it around in the first half and the last minute of the first half, Eric Dyer headed the ball in from a free kick. I can't remember the final score. Maybe yeah. he lost. I think we lost yeah. 4-2. We, or, four two, lose yeah. four I think it was 4 we two. Lost, Right. Yeah. So we, the, our, our Twitter account for the podcast, The Fighting Cop, um, we, we had a quick dis- discussion because we were watching it together in a pub. And we said, should we tweet the picture of Eric Dyer doing this, <laughs> knowing full well it could go rightly tits up in the second half? <laughs> Because we'd experienced this so many times. So we had all of the, the previous end encounters <laughs> to not tweet that picture. Like in my head, it was like, don't tweet it, don't tweet it. And then you look at it and you go, you've got to tweet it because it's a, it's a magical moment. And it's, you're right, Ben, it's about going early and just getting, ev- squeezing every ounce out of the successes from our rivalry because it will be never ending, ongoing tussle between who is better. And the, the reality is, over the, the 10, 20, 30 years that hopefully I get to watch Spurs and Arsenal play, there will be no winner. There's winners at a battle, but there's no, no winner at a war. Yeah. Uh, so for Nini and Joe, that are sort of a bit more neutral here, um, when you're looking at this one, who do you make as the, the sort of like the better side in North London, bigger side in North London at the moment? Um, I'd say obviously, you know, looking at the current season form, you'd have to say Spurs, but... You know, at the same time, you know, London derbies, they never always go to plan. How many times have either club been, you know, gone in as the favourites or need to lose it in the end? So, you know, if you're Arsenal right now, this is a real opportunity to get some pride back, you know, for yourselves, for the fans, and to really step up now and do something. Because if Spurs are the favourites, in a sense, there's more pressure on them to get that result now. So, uh, 
you know, on, on the other hand, if Spurs get this result, then this is really telling you the new level they're at, that now their confidence matches their performances. You know, if they feel that they can in these games, you know, they're going to do it and get the results. So I'm really interested about this London derby in particular uh, for this week. I think that um, it's going to tell us a lot more about what I need to know about Spurs as competitors and obviously about Arsenal. Are they going to come back to do anything or is this season just completely lost now? There's no Spurs fans going into this thinking we're definitely going to win it, just for the record. Mm, but you guys are playing so well, though. So many it, players it, in the top it form. doesn't matter. Still doesn't it, matter. No, okay. it, it, it doesn't matter. I but wish... We, to... we say that history doesn't matter. This is the thing. Like We say that history doesn't matter and it's all about now. But like what Flav has just said is based on previous, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, 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 it is based on previous. And me, as much as I think Arsenal are poor at the moment, I can't hand on my heart say that I think Arsenal 100% going to lose it. And it, it, so, so it does kind of, you know... I almost envy you, Harry. I think yeah. I envy you at the moment. I but, think but it's... It, Harry's pain. Harry's pain's going to be worse than ours. If it, whoever loses, Harry oh. will have... It'll be much worse for Harry... If, if Arsenal lose, if Spurs lose, we'd be like, all right, like that's shit, but we've done it. We've had that so many times. It, for Harry, it'd be like, shit. <laughs> Purge, if we lose, <laughs> Purge, if we lose, I'm not about on Monday, mate. <laughs> <laughs> a booby. Pull in a booby. Um, okay, so I think, do you know what? We can, we can do hours on Spurs Arsenal and it's kind of like, we'll go down a lot of the same paths that we've done before. But one thing I would like to know the answer to is, would you both take a draw? 100%. No, no, I wouldn't. Harry would. I wouldn't. We, we, we're going for the league. We need to win. It's a home game. And we need that, to win. I wouldn't that's go a switch. That's a switch in. That is a real switch in mentality, I think. That's going to hurt if we lose. If we lose, I'd hate it. And, and you know, when the game starts, I'd probably, I'd rather switch the TV off and I'd just wait for the result to come in. But Switches we the are. TV off and goes to grab a broom and heads towards the chicken coop. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if we don't, if, if we lose, there's a couple of chickens that are getting done. Like, I'm a vegetarian, I'd never kill a chicken unnecessarily. <laughs> Just for a record. Sorry. But yeah, I think there's a change in, I think that is a, a slight change in um, mentality for Spurs. I think a lot of Spurs fans are sick with nerves. There's a possibility that they, they're doing that classic thing of being like, Arsenal oh, might do us here but they're still not prepared to say I'd take a draw because they're in, in at least in Spurs fans' minds, because of Mourinho, they think we're a practical side now. We should try and grind this one out and win. Is there not a bit of Arsenal playing poorly in that as well? Oh, 100%. But the way they played against, against Wolves, I mean, that was just, that was awful. This is, this is why I kind of, this is why I say that I can't go into this game and you can cut this up next week when we lose, but... This is why I don't feel so bad because I'm, I'm very confident that Mikel Arteta, and I'll be very surprised if he doesn't, goes back to that more pragmatic system with the three at the back, the wing backs. And, and I think that in the bigger games against the big sides where the onus hasn't been on us to take the game to the opponent, we've actually been a lot better and a lot more effective. And I, I expect him to play that way against Spurs. I hope that Mikel Arteta has learnt from the last North London derby because we came there, we tried to play a high line, we tried to push up, we tried to take the game to Spurs and we got picked off. That now, if we sit off and we play the way we've played against some of the other bigger sides and Mourinho does the same, then you can imagine that it's going to be two teams like kicking the ball back and forth to each other. I'll take it. I'll take it. I don't think it's going to be exciting. Let's go on and do... a. West Ham versus United. 
Scott, I'm a I really didn't expect you to be as gutted as you were about the PSG game last night. Genuinely, I, I, thought, and... I thought you'd be sort of like, oh, it's PSG, you know, but it seems like people are ready to jump back on that. Ready to jump no, it's, it's not that for me at all. I'm not ready to jump on that at all. I'm just, I'm pissed off that the same things keep happening over and over again. Or I'm, I'm pissed off at like juvenile decisions that like, any person in the world could have seen <laughs> that Fred was going to get sent off. Like, anybody who watched that game, you could That's see it so by obvious. the 25th minute. It was the most obvious thing I've ever seen in my life. He's going to get sent off at some point or Paredes is going to get sent off at some point. And Fred was the one who was making the tackles. He was literally, he, he escaped a red card, which was a nailed on red card in today's football. Let's, let's be real. He committed another foul, which was a Do you think borderline it was, yellow. Do you think it was? Do you think I, it was? What I think is, um, I see why, I think I see why he didn't do it. Like, But for me, it was a red because the, the force was too much. It was too aggressive. But I think the referee has seen it and applied his own version of like what he interprets as like uh, a headbutt to it. And he wanted to kind of, Somebody called it um, human refereeing. Uh, one of my mates called it human refereeing. I think there was a bit of that in it. And I thought that was actually quite apt. But if you compare that to every other headbutt that you've seen, if you compare that to the Nicolas Pepe headbutt from a few weeks ago against Leeds, and that kind of, it's, it's a definite red card. Anyway, right? He got sent off in the second half because, you know, he took the ball, but he was walking that tightrope for the whole game. And everyone has said, He's in the referee's eye now. The next time he makes a foul or next time he makes a mistake, he's going to go off. And there's, there's no getting away from that. Solskjaer messed up completely. And the thing that was frustrating for me is United go on about how much firepower they've got. They go on about how much, like, all these players up front who can score goals and break a game in the like by doing something magical. They opened up PSG twice. They were literally there for the taking. They missed two amazing chances, like right in point blank in front of goal. And at the Champions League level, you just know that a team like PSG with Neymar and Mbappe in it is going to... I know Marquinhos scored the goal and it was lucky, but they, they're, they're PSG. They're a team with that quality up front. And they completely shot themselves in the foot. And I can't go into the Leipzig game next week saying... Oh, I think United will do enough for a draw because I don't know which United are going to turn up. I, I don't know. And that's did the frustrating thing. I'm so sick of it. <laughs> did it change anything for West Ham? Did it change the way you view West Ham at all? I don't think so. I think they'll take enough confidence from the fact that they created nice, decent opportunities against PSG um, and think, you know, maybe we can, we can like break them here and win. But I've, I've been to a few West Ham versus United games in in East London over the last few years. And well, it, you, you went been... to you went to one when Yarmolenko scored against you, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. I I was literally I was one of the latest ones. You know a lot the... about this. <laughs> oh, it's because like I've I've been to the game quite frequently over the last few years. And it might may even be three of the last four or something like that, this game. And every time I've come away, I can't remember <laughs> a time where United have beat them. And I can remember a time more than <laughs> once where United played absolutely terribly. There was a time where United put in the most pathetic performance ever. And I knew that Mourinho was done. That was the day I knew that Mourinho at United was done and that he should have gone. Um, I just, I don't know what to expect. And it, it really kind of annoys me that I, I can't trust in the team I'm supporting to put in a performance and a, and a result. 
Do you know what I mean? So I, think- I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. This, this isn't the game to gauge United. I mean, in a way, it is because it's really difficult. But West Ham, this is the best West Ham I've seen in years. It, they're, they're legitimately good, good side. And you go, it's at, it's Upton Park, and it's so you, you go in there and getting beat. I'm not saying that that might happen, but it, it's within the realms of... I would have, Very much could, Flav. Well, <laughs> I, I would have West Ham favourites for this, and that's probably the first time that Man United and West Ham have played each other for decades where they've been favourites for a game. And Flav, you know, that's the problem. Why are West Ham the favourites against Manchester United? That's the problem. Well, that's why it's so frustrating. Yeah, and part of the reason is because... Because um, expectation you, levels have dropped on United and it's acceptable. You know, I, I heard it. you guys talking about. I heard you guys. I heard you guys talking about. Um, I heard you guys talking about Tottenham and Arsenal, who finishes higher in the league, right? And I didn't want to say anything at the time, but I was like, I would never judge if United don't come top. It's a failure every single year. Like in the context of a season, you've got to take out a top four place as a, a success, but relevant to that time. United should be winning the league every season. I've grown up on United winning the league every season. That's Must the be. standard we should hold it to. And under this well, management, it, it, they have gone from, or under the managers over the last seven years, they've gone from top of the league to challenging for top four to, if we get in the top four, great achievement. You know, and I don't like that management of expectations downwards. But, but Saunders, it's not, it's not, it isn't the management that's done that. It's just football. It's just the way it goes. Like, you, there's always something to blame Transient, when things... Man. I don't know. Transient, I do think it's the management, though. I, I, like, for me, I have to be honest, my, my least favourite team right now is Man United. I don't like how they've... You know, like, what they stand for recently. Uh, with Sir Alex Ferguson before, you know, let's not forget that he was winning trophies and titles with Man United, not having to turn towards the market and relying on principles like the United way of playing. Uh, you know, getting the best out of the team, getting the right tactics, game management it was perfect. And they're the principles of winning football for me personally. And I just think with United, with how they've been, you know, the activity in the transfer windows too, you know, they're signing three players for the same position, giving them crazy amounts of money, you know, different managers every time, you know, no cohesion in the team and shape. And it's just like, okay, Silas has been here for 20 years and you guys learned nothing about how to keep that momentum going. You know, yeah. you guys sold Ronaldo and you got by with Valencia and you were still winning. Valencia. So when you can do that, then it tells me that, you know, football, you know, we always think that it's about spending crazy amounts of money. No, it's about getting a team that complements each other. That's the most important thing. It's teams that win, not individuals. So I, I don't um, know. I wanted to make a point on what Flav said in terms of I'm not expecting United every season to win the league anymore because I know that the, the league is... Um, is there's too many teams, you know, who are on the same similar level in terms of quality that it's completely unrealistic to expect United to do the same thing that they were doing in the 90s. That's a, without question. But they should be managed well enough to be winning games I expect them to win or taking specific moments in games and delivering at the moment that I expect them to deliver. And I can't, I don't have that anymore. And it's really frustrating to see that they they can't do it i'm itching i'm really itching to say something here right so so what 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 happens basically as fans when you're following your football club you're following the badge the shirt and all of the great things they achieve but the great things they achieve are generally down to one or two individuals arsenal's best periods david dean and then 
uh, Arsene Wenger, because he was such an elite coach, managed to, 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 to carry that through because he was that good. It was Arsenal, Arsene Wenger's Arsenal that did everything they did. Alex Ferguson's Man United that did everything they did. Bielsa's leads have created them uh, into a situation where we're having this conversation now. Abramovich at Chelsea has done that for, for, for them. Spurs have Daniel Levy. Without these people, none of the things we're talking about and we're so proud of, like say, Tottenham have done this, Chelsea have done this, Arsenal have done this, would be nothing without these individuals that came in at the right time just to give us everything we want. Man United, uh, as, uh, under Alex Ferguson, is gone, it's done. That's ne you'll never achieve what you had then because... Alex Ferguson isn't attached to your club. When Abramovich sells up and you get some geezer who really in, isn't interested in the glory, he comes along. You won't be the Chelsea you are now, and nor will Leeds be without Bielsa and, and us without Daniel Levy. So there is no actual football... Like, like The football club you belong to, you just have to follow blindly and hope someone comes along and makes you great. I think also that's really pathetic, football out. I, 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 I get what you're I'm saying. I'm not watching football anymore. I'm just <laughs> I, I definitely get what you're saying, but I just wish that football wasn't so inefficient that in that way. Like, for example, let's look at the Harry Maguire signing. I mean, 80 million, 85 million. I mean, okay, how how many points would you say you know has Maguire saved United or given to United after costing 85 million? And it's just thinking. You know, on the market, the defenders of a better nature or a similar level for way less. What was the fascination to have to spend triple the market value to inflate the market even more for a player that isn't isn't the guaranteed success that you're expecting when you're spending 85 million? And it's been these types of signings over the years. It's been constantly not addressing uh, the main issues in the team, like the midfield, which is you know you can't win anything if you don't have a midfield. Midfield is the most important part for any team, and it's just like. It feels like agents just have to push any any of their players to Man United, and the people at the top will blindly listen and buy whoever. Where's yeah, the planning? Where's the strategy? Scott, incredibly can I, frustrating. Yeah. Can I ask something, Scott? Like, is there a danger, right? That obviously United take on West Ham this weekend, and obviously if they don't get a result, everybody's going to kick off and you know moan about Oli again and all that. But I mean, from your perspective, you've got a game against Leipzig midweek on Tuesday, which is a massive, massive game for United now in terms of their qualification. If United make some changes or if United don't get the result, are you kind of taking into context that that game is coming up and, you know, that that's maybe part of it? Or are you looking at this game as one individual game or are you looking at the bigger picture? What's important now? Getting through the Champions League or that game? It's always the done? bigger picture. It's always the bigger picture for me. Um like I was going to say earlier on that United are only three points behind Chelsea and they, Oli does get, um, you know, properly criticised when in context and considering the, how the league looks now, if they win that game in hand away at Burnley whenever it's played. If they did it now, they'd be in a much sweeter position than they are. The f but I'm always looking at what the plan is long term because we've been, United fans have been duped into, we're following this plan for this year and then next year it'll change and they'll sack a manager. We're following this plan for two years and then it'll change. We're following this plan and it'll change. Um, I think to credit Oli, their best season probably, the most the time I was most confident in them was the Mourinho season where I think they came second to City. And I thought, yeah, I think if they back him here, they could go further. Uh, alongside that is probably last season in terms of how Oli's fixed a bunch of things. Um, 
you know, you can crit criticize the signings. I, I completely get the criticism, but I think they have been better in, in the last few years than they had been in the years before. But the thing that I, that drives me absolutely insane is that, and I've never had this feeling before, is that I know that they can do it. They've beaten the big teams. They've beaten City. They've beaten Chelsea. They've beaten PSG. They've beaten the big teams. Maybe not Liverpool, not recently, but they, they've shown that they can get it right in certain games and they just cannot do it consistently. And it's to have this up and down, you know, you never know what to expect because sometimes it goes right and they do brilliantly. Sometimes it goes wrong and it's horrible. And then it goes back and forth and back and forth. It's just hard to follow. And it, I, I can't say anything with any confidence anymore. I'm, it just, it, you know. Who's you know that down I mean? to though, Scott? <sighs> Ollie, um, right? Yeah, I, I mean, of, of course, you, you, we'll always talk about the owners and the owners are like wrong with the club, but they're not putting the club's best interest at heart. But in terms of management, there's some basic things that everyone can see that Oli does or doesn't do. And, you know, he's come in, he's not got the profile of uh, other managers who, you know, the manager of the, of the clubs that we're speaking about here in this video. He doesn't have that. Um, so he does deserve some criticism from time to time for sure. And like I, I've been openly critical of him as well. Um, but all I want to do really, I just want to see United on an even keel, delivering, consistently building and getting somewhere, not flittering from up and down, back and forth, not knowing where the hell we're going. So uh, and just to, to wrap up on this one as well, I think another point that Flav made, I think, think was uh, around the version of West Ham that you're playing against as well this is a very resolute West Ham team since they've moved to the sort of five at the back and the way in which they play with that kind of dynamic counter-attack with Bowen and Fornals actually look like a, a very functional team which is not something I would ever have said about West Ham in the past they were never functional they were always like an annoying or they had players who could do something special but the rest of the team looked like someone picked names out of a hat as opposed to actually sort of putting together a formation. So um, it, like one way or another, it, it, I, I think if you draw this game away at West Ham, it's not the end of the world. It's just it, the thing that you want to avoid is that cycle starting again. You know, is that next weekend. Can I, can I just go through some of their results? Because I think people are sleeping on West Ham in a big, big way. Yeah, um, yeah West Ham, decent sign. Absolutely. Well, I, 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 when, this will... They'll add further evidence to this. Um, do you remember the Arsenal game where they beat them 2-1? Harry, you'll remember that that was a much closer game than a 2-1 victory to Arsenal, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, <laughs> it, it definitely oh, Harry, was. you're muted. He's on mute. Oh, I'm muted. Sorry, sorry. But, yeah, but Flav, Flav basically did like the, the dubbing that you basically do when you see a film <laughs> in another language. He sort of did it perfectly for you there. It was, it was, it was, they were good that day, weren't they, Harry? Oh, yeah, they were really good. Really right. good. That, so, we were so lucky to get the three points. Definitely. Yeah. So, so they followed that up with, in, in, in terms of the league, a 4 0 win against Wolves, right? They lost 4 1 to Everton when they were flying. But after that, they, they beat Leicester away 3-0. They, they come from three goals behind, behind against us to, to draw 3 all. They then drew with Man City 1-0. They lost to Liverpool, anyone can do. They beat Fulham. They beat Sheffield United away. They beat Aston Villa. Uh, and, and uh, you know, these are results that you wouldn't expect for West Ham. And they're now fifth in the league. And they're legitimately, their fans are looking at a Champions League tilt. Now, I'd I absolutely guess. hate it. 
I'd hate it if that happened. Wow. Like, and, and guess who's done that? A former Manchester United manager. <laughs> you should have stuck with him. He knows what yeah, he's doing. Get my easy butt. Get my easy butt. Bring him back. Right. We've got to fly on. Liverpool Wolves. Um, Harry, this is a, a tough one for Liverpool. Tell us a little bit about Wolves and how they can hurt uh, Liverpool here. Or alternatively, if you want to make the case to just say Liverpool might steamroll them even with a depleted side, that is also very much available. I think you've always got to make Liverpool the favourites just because of what we've seen over the last couple of seasons. But um, obviously, they're, they're not without their injury problems. And we know that Alisson is out now as well, which is a big blow uh, for Liverpool. There's no doubt about that. What was interesting about Wolves when they came to the Emirates last week was they've, they seem to have abandoned that three at the back system with the wing backs, which they got a lot of stick for. People were calling them a little bit boring, a little bit prag- too pragmatic. Um, but he's added that extra sort of midfield player in a sort of slightly further forward position. Daniel Pedenza played that position against Arsenal as kind of like a number 10. And what that gives Wolves is that gives Wolves the ability that when they do break in between the lines, they've got players that can carry the ball at pace and they can hurt you a lot more on the counter-attack. And I've spoken about Podence, but you don't need to know about Adama Traore. Everybody knows about what he can do carrying the ball forward. So Liverpool have to be careful in this game, I do think. But having said that, the flip side of that is by playing that way, Wolves have opened themselves up a little bit. Arsenal weren't able to take advantage of that, but Liverpool could. So um, it'll be interesting to see whether Nuno reverts back to what he's been doing for the last couple of seasons or if he actually uh, stays the way he's been playing, keeps it brave and and looks at this Liverpool side and thinks they've got a makeshift defence, makeshift goalkeeper. It's an opportunity to take the game to them. I love watching Pedence play. I think he's such a like, he's such a joy to watch. He's basically like a sort of lighter, smaller FIFA Ultimate Team version of Hazard. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Very yeah, similar gait, very similar running style. He's fantastic. And I watched him a couple of years back when he was playing for Olympiakos in Greece. And I, I was watching it with my cousin, he's an Olympiakos fan. And I said to him, this guy's not going to be with you much longer. Like he was just that he far killed above us. everyone else. He absolutely killed us. When we played him away last year in Champions League or a year before, he just, he run the show. He's so good. It's fantastic. Yeah. Scott, what did you, um, what did you make of Silva last week? Fabio Silva. Yeah. Um, it's a weird one because he's got a big reputation around him. Uh, and football manager fans might know that. I don't know how many of you guys play that, but um, he's he's got that um, that big reputation. But I I have I've been quite underwhelmed by him so far. He came in for a lot of money. He came in as part of some George Mendes weird kind <laughs> of what have you done there kind of vibe. Um, I've not something really does, seen something of doesn't him. feel right. Yes, something weird. doesn't feel so quite much right. Money. Yeah, thirty five million or something like that. Eighteen um, years old, not played a game. <laughs> Uh, it'd be interesting to see what likes of Finners would say around him. But I, I think, to be fair to him, he's still adjusting. It's the toughest league in the world. I don't know. Well, I can't avoid that cliche now. I've said it. it. But it is the toughest league in the world in terms of physicality, speed, you know, all this stuff. So you've got to give new signings time. Uh, and he's going to have probably a bit more pressure on him now to... Or maybe, maybe they would go... They played three behind him the other night, didn't they? So I don't know whether they would revert back and play maybe one of the the three that played behind him in a more advanced role than that. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, he's certainly got a lot of hype around him. So if, if Fabio Silva can start delivering at some point soon, 
been great, but we've got to be fair to him. He's he's coming for a lot of money. He's young. It's a new league. It's a completely different atmosphere. It's his first real proper taste of professional football this level. So it's unfair to expect the world of him straight away. I think for Liverpool, they probably are absolutely buzzing. They snuck through that one against Ajax in the Champions League just to take the heat off them a little bit. Um, given the amount of injuries they've got. I don't know, Nini or Joe, whether you've kind of, how much you've kept up with the Liverpool injuries. It feels like it's all we talk about at the moment, but th- they are the walking wounded at the moment. Alisson's out now as well. I can I can believe, um, I think I was on a show on a Friday night just previewing some of the games and I, I, I thought they'd get beat by Leicester, you know, with all them injuries and that. And I thought, this is it. This is where they're finally going to get beat. And when they, when they went out and did what they did, I'll never not back them now, regardless of the injuries. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I was thinking if there's any time Leicester were flying, you know, that was the time. And the fact that they turned Leicester over, I just thought, yeah, nah, there's, there's too much. And uh, I, I agree with Harry, though. I think for me, if I'm a Wolves fan, regardless of if it's boring or, or not, I'm thinking against Liverpool, revert back, you know, go with the, the three uh, three centre-backs and two wing-backs because they stifled us. But I know we're not Liverpool, but it was pretty boring to watch, but they just defend so resolutely and can get you on the counter, you know? So I, I, I would do that if I was uh, Nuno, but I'm not. Go on, Nini. What, what's your thoughts on Liverpool? I think for me, um, you know, yeah, they've had a lot of injuries, but they haven't really been affected too strongly, like up front in the midfield. And they're like the key areas for them that, you know, players in those positions get them the points. So uh, Liverpool are so strong. They're so well-drilled tactically that, you know, they can afford to turn towards the rest of their squads. And I think that's why their momentum still hasn't been affected too much. But um, obviously Klopp's starting to feel the pressure now. He knows that the, the main thing with Liverpool is that he's forced to have to play a strong team as often as possible. Like he can't rotate as much and, with such a heavy period this Christmas, I'm hoping, I mean, I, I, I can't even say expecting because it's Liverpool. I mean, I'd have to say I'm hoping that they do drop some more points uh, during this period because it's going to be so intense. It's going to be so crazy. And uh, it'll be a really uh, a big test to see how you know, strong their squad is, to be honest. Nini's also yeah. hoping that Spurs drop points as well, just... Oh, yeah. oh, we're already, aren't we? We're, we're honestly, I was just about to say this. We're already at that point, aren't we? Where you start, you forget your own, like, as soon as your games happen, all you're doing is calculating where other people hopefully might drop points that weekend. Like, it's not, I'm, it's I'm not looking, enjoyable. It's, not it's, enjoyable. it's horrible. It's, it's there's, horrible. there's jeopardy in every game, Ben. Every it's single game, you're like, come on, please. Yeah, you this know is how we've get... always wanted it, though, right? Yeah, this is, this yeah, hundred percent. It's yeah. brilliant. It's brilliant, but it it just is like nauseating. Like, yeah, I, yeah. From the moment that sick. I wake up on Sunday morning, or even the, on Saturday night, like, I'll be so nervous. Like I'll be so nervous about the Arsenal game. Um, and do you know, I I did just want to bring in Man City here to finish up, because Man City have got one of those weekends. If they beat Fulham, which you would think, like, yeah. there's no real reason for them not to beat Fulham. There's so many teams around them that have got kind of like difficult-ish games that they can pick up points and steal a march on everyone here almost. You know, they, they suddenly can sort of fly up and get rid of some of the teams that are filtered in that, that middle section. I know we talked a couple of weeks ago about the table kind of naturally filtering out and it has taken longer than it usually does. But you'd think with the game that City have got in hand and the fact that they probably will win this weekend, they're in a similar boat to you, Scott, right? It's not long before we'll start to see them just sort of... Relegation yeah. battle. <laughs> <laughs> we got to enjoy uh, it while it lasts. It. 
it'd be interesting i mean you'd expect city to win this one but i think the manchester derby is next weekend uh so you know both teams need to go in to win it because somebody will lose out pretty badly in that game oh god that's uh, going to be a lot of pressure off the back of that isn't it yeah whoever well, loses like, that you, one you think right. of how important now this united have got a big week ahead if they, do, if they don't win this weekend, if they go out of the Champions League and they go into the City game and lose, then it's we're right back in the position of what are we doing here? If he loses um, three on the spin, if he loses three on the spin, then then like if Pochettino hasn't taken over at Real Madrid, I Real think Madrid, we're sitting yeah. It's the only cycle, leads, guys. It's the only yeah, cycle. Just, just forget leads about replacing Just get on board the Oli bus because he's going to be around for many, many years. He's at, <laughs> he's at the wheel. He's at the wheel. He's at the Honestly, wheel. You like... sung about it. You created that great tune. Now you've got to back him. <laughs> I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Well, I mean, that's the social media. Lead social media is just praying that he's still in the job for when we play All of us. 20th. Everybody's, Genu- everybody wants him there. Please. So funny. <laughs> so funny. It's so bad, though, that they're like talking about the future i'd be more confident going into a game against leeds because i think united might actually be able to hit them like uh, just like you know protect themselves a little bit and let leeds come at them and catch them out a little bit i'd be more confident in that than Mm -hmm. them going to beat west brom you know this is this is what i hate about united at the moment we were talking about city anyway um i would think city are gonna um (laughs) i I know fulham beat to be fair to fulham that winning the other night was really good um, I won't go into the Brendan Rogers chat, Harry. Um, but you know, I, I'm sure I'm not the only one who tipped Fulham to finish bottom of the league. Uh, so good win for them. Um, and if they can build on that, then great. But you'd expect City now just just give me a chance. to be in the groove. Uh, didn't Paddy chance. Power pay out on the bets? Didn't Paddy Power? <laughs> Paddy, yeah, like after the, I swear they did. They, they they settled the bets after like three games, like genuinely because they were that bad. <laughs> I swear to God, and then uh, yeah, wow. now they've, they've got, they've got Loft, Loftus Cheek, and he's cha- he's he's changed it. Yeah, it seems yeah. like just having his presence, his quality, which you know, I, I, I'm not sure. Everybody rates him, right? Nini, you rate him. I don't yes, know. yeah. I mean, he should be a part of your squad and maybe pushing. I mean, the reality is, I I do think sometimes we have to be like fair to certain individuals because I I know that we like to paint like the average picture and everything, but I just think there's always going to be outliers sometimes. And I think when I look at Ruben, he's like the prime example of an outlier. He's been so unfortunate. I mean, even the manner in which he picked up his injury, this was a, a friendly for, you know, a, a good cause. I'm not even against that. Anti-Semitism, of course, you know, this club's very strong about that. And, you know, I like that our club really is, is, is strong and shows conviction when it comes to the fight against racism and stuff like that. But to think that we played this friendly before Europa League final. And honestly, when I was covering that game late at night, I saw the condition of the pitch. It was terrible. It was dusty. It it wasn't flat. And you're playing against an MLS team. And MLS teams, they just play boom. Intensity, intensity, intensity. They don't care. This was an opportunity for them to test themselves. And, you know, they're going in for tackles. So the fact that he was one of our best players at that time because for me the only player I've seen come close to Eden Hazard in terms of influence in terms of making the team play better in terms of having players get galvanised around him was Ruben so the fact that it feels like as a club we kind of ruined it for ourselves for no reason I think maybe it was reflected in the contract we gave him you know he's on like 150k a week got it when he was injured 
unfortunately, it's going to take him a long time to get back because, you know, with that ACL injury, he had no muscles in his leg. He couldn't walk. He couldn't do nothing. And it's a shame because from what I was hearing about Ruben and obviously his work to get back to full fitness, I mean, this guy was super, super disciplined. He did everything he could to get back as quickly as possible. So I do, he is, he is. I do feel like, you know, sometimes you just have certain patience with players. I think he's got it in him. If the club felt that it was over for him, he wouldn't have got that new deal. So he was savvy as well. Said it going to Fulham, there's, there's no rivalry there anymore. Like it's, you can literally live exactly where you've always lived and stay exactly where you are and no go pressure. five minutes down the road with no... Yeah. Like, if Fulham get relegated, it means nothing. No. It just means he gets game time and rebuilds fitness. Anyway, look, fingers crossed, they do, do us all a solid and Ruben Loftus-Cheek plays out of his skin and they win 1-0. Um, but it's been uh, it's been great fun. Make sure that you, you check out everyone's uh, social channels, check out all their pods, check out all their channels. Um, and uh, yeah, enjoy the football this weekend, lads. And I'll see you all, um, hopefully, next early doors next week. Subscribe to 90 Min if you haven't already. Take care, everyone. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.